Well, for a first time, that was great. Well done, everybody. So uh, we come now to uh, the second part in our series, uh, beginning to look at the subject of prayer. But as I look back over the last uh, few uh, weeks and months, I, I realize that the Holy Spirit has been working, and we've actually been uh, looking at prayer in different uh, ways, but important ways. So uh, when I uh, was uh, in business running a, a company in the UK, I um, uh, used to attend some of these, uh, these business meetings that were run by the Department of, um, of, of um, Commerce and things to try and get you to be able to do it properly. At least that was the idea. They would give encouragement and so on. And in the southwest of England, there was a man who was responsible for running at the particular department, and they would arrange seminars and things, and uh, people from companies, uh, maybe working in the business itself, or those that uh, owned and managed them, could go along to uh, take part in these uh, different events to try and encourage you and to motivate you. And he was a very interesting guy, because he had the strange ability that he could remember all of your names. Now, I can't do that. And, and, and yet, he was prepared to say, I'll never forget your name. Okay, now that, you know, that's, a, that's a tall order. This lovely couple in the corner here, they've given me their names and I've forgotten them already and that's so embarrassing. But it's, the reality is we're not very good at remembering names. So I put him to the test on one occasion. I hadn't been to um, uh, one of these meetings for a while and uh, probably over a year and I went along and you know, my name, Simeon, is a little bit unusual. It's not something that you hear all the time. So I went up to him, and do you know what he said? He said, hello, Simeon, how are you? <laughs> okay, how did he do it? Because he meets people from all over, you know, different sizes, different shapes, and all the rest of it. But he met people all the time because his business is meeting people, meeting people, that's it. And he remembered my name. Isn't that fascinating? The thing is, I asked him for the secret, and he wouldn't tell me. Okay, so he had a way of remembering names. Why is Iceland called Iceland? Does anybody want to hazard a guess at that? Mr. Lobazoo. Because they told the truth, it's icy, okay? So why is Greenland, which has considerably more ice on it, I think the ice in the middle of Greenland is over a mile thick, okay? Why is Greenland called Greenland? We'll give someone else a go, okay? <laughs> they told a fib. Who was it who told the fib? It was the Viking. Eric the Red. So Eric the Red was a murderer and he'd been uh, sent in, in. They sort of cast him off in a boat and said goodbye. And he ended up in Greenland. And he decided that he wanted some other people to come and join him. So he managed to get one of his friends to go back and tell everybody that this new country is called Greenland. It was a complete lie. It wasn't true at all. I, do you realize how important names are? They are incredibly important. And as we begin to look at the subject of prayer, and as we consider the prophet Elijah, he really emphasized the importance of knowing the name of the God that we pray to. He was very, very uh, sure in the way that he explained these things. So as we continue with our studies in prayer, last week you'll remember that we were able to learn a great deal about the fact that 
There is preparation that's required in our lives when we come to God in prayer. And Elijah demonstrated that. He engaged in a great deal of preparation before he actually came to his prayer. We also saw that the prophets of Baal, they prayed for hours and hours and hours. They repeated things all the time. They went on and on and on. They were calling out to their gods and nothing happened. Those are the words that are used. And nothing happened. Nothing appeared there was no response Elijah engaged in preparation before he came and brought a very short prayer just a couple of couple of verses that's all it is and today we look at the first half of his prayer and next week we'll look at the second half you see he had to ensure that everything was ready before they came to God in prayer. So if you've got your Bibles, let's uh, turn to uh, 1 Kings 18 and just read a couple of verses together if we may. 1 Kings 18, but keep your Bible handy because uh, we, uh, as, as you understand and appreciate, we're a, a church which is dependent on God's Word. Uh, we love God's Word and we rejoice in God's Word and we make sure that it is kept central in everything that we do. So let's just uh, come to verse 36 and just read a little bit together. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that would have been three in the afternoon, that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, or Jacob, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God, and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and I love this word, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Gone. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Now there's a sentence or a series of words that are repeated a number of times, and we know that when words and when thoughts are repeated in the scriptures, God is saying, listen, open your ears, hear what I'm saying, because one of the ways that we are able to learn is when we hear things being repeated. If you've got a three-year-old in your house, you have to do a lot of repeating. If you've got a 16-year-old in your house, you have to do a lot of repeating as well. But eventually, the message gets through. Wives, you have to do a lot of repeating, don't you, to try and get your husband to get on with the decorating or to sort the, the things that you've been wanting sorted out for a while. Elijah took his preparation seriously. He took prayer seriously. Um, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17, the Apostle Paul took prayer very seriously, didn't he? In fact, when you look through all the epistles, you see the way that he prayed for the Colossians, he prayed for the Ephesians, and so on. And he began by saying, again, talking about God, he says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. 
And then in John 17, where we have the prayer of the Lord Jesus himself, this is the Lord's prayer, incidentally. It's not Matthew 6. That's the disciples' prayer. The Lord's prayer is John 17, when he says, Father, glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. And so we're beginning to see the way that we begin to come or that we should come to God in prayer. We don't just say, let's just have a quick word of prayer. Now, and I'm guilty of this. Um, sometimes we don't give the reverence that we should do. Sometimes we just give the impression, you know, that, that uh, we can just come whenever, in any way that we want, and of course we can do, but we discover that there are certain things within our lives that need to be put right first, that we need to deal with. In other words, we need to repair the altar in our lives and in our homes and in our churches when we have allowed them to be broken down. We have to. And this was the very, very first thing that Elijah did. He rebuilds the altar. He places the stones in the right place. He puts it together as he knows it should be to be a reverent place to bring to God. And as we come and as we think about our lives and we sometimes think to ourselves, but God, why don't you ever answer my prayers? I see you working in the lives of other people. I see their prayers being answered. But why is it that you're silent to me? Why is it that I don't see you at work in my life? Friends, the message this morning is a stark warning. Perhaps... There are things in your life that need to be put right. You've got to deal with the altar. You've got to do some building first. You've got to do some repair work first before you can expect to see God at work. Now, how is it that I can say that? Well, as we turn to the Scriptures, we discover that sin always blocks and hinders our relationship with God. It always does. If we allow sin to be the dominant factor in our life may be something that you're just not prepared to let go of. It will hinder your relationship with God because God wants all of us. There are many verses in the scriptures. Psalm 66 verse 18. I think we looked at that last week. We might consider it just in a moment as well. Proverbs 28:19, Isaiah 59:2, John 9:31, 1 Peter 3:7, 1 Peter 4:7. All of these verses clearly state that sin hinders God from answering our prayers. In fact, from God even hearing us. Does it mean God is deaf? Psalm 66, 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, let me just explain what those words mean. If I accept, if I allow, if I keep iniquity or sin in my heart, we're told in the second half of the verse, the Lord will not hear me. I said a moment ago a stark warning this morning. And now we begin to see how serious this situation is. And then in verse 31, Elijah took 12 stones according to the 12 tribes of Israel. But we noticed in verse 31 the words, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob. And now we listen very carefully for the next statement. To whom the word of the Lord had come. It's past tense. It's not is coming. You see, we have God's word. God has spoken. 
And I reiterate this week by saying that there is no understanding in God's word, the Bible, that God is just constantly speaking and bringing new revelation to us. That isn't an understanding that we see from the scriptures. What he said is, I've given you my word. Here it is. There's no confusion here. I have spoken. We have people who call themselves prophets in churches today. We have people who clamor for a new word from God when they have the scriptures right beside them in their hands. God has spoken directly to them through the scriptures, but perhaps they want something else. And I think it's amazing how God changes his mind, isn't it, when people start to hear, you know, God's told me this week I'm going to do this, and then next week it's something else, and the following week it's something else. And God says, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so when we come and when we hear and when people talk to us, and incidentally I'm not saying that God doesn't speak to us, but what I am saying is, is that we have to bring it immediately to the word of God. We need to, in a sense put that filter on to say, is this contrary to the word of God that we're being told? Is this in keeping with the word of God? Because if it's contrary to the word of God, it's not from God. Sometimes we say we hear God speaking, but it's really a case of listening to our heart. It's what we want. And if we can get God to agree with us, then we've got what we want. Instead of listening to God speak and help us. I always remember the account of Johnny Erickson. You know the young lady, uh, beautiful young woman, and she dives into a pool and misgages the depth and breaks her neck and she's in a wheelchair for all of her life. And I remember on one occasion she was talking about this very subject and she said a guy came along and said, God's told me to marry you. And so she said to him, well, when God's told me to marry you, we can get together and have a chat. But at the moment, he has not said anything like that. We've got to be so careful when we say these things. And it's important that we understand that God's revelation has been given to us in his word. Sometimes we can go off and we can search when it's actually in our hands. We need to understand that God has revealed himself historically. He has revealed himself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's what we see here in this verse that we have just read together. And that is the final revelation of the Old Testament. Our God is the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he reveals himself historically in the incarnation, in the death of the Lord Jesus, and in his resurrection. And these are the times that God has revealed himself, giving a complete picture of his salvation for his people. So if you want to know what God stands for, then you simply have to go back to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Israel. And if I want to know what Christianity is all about, I simply go back to Jesus Christ. I go back to the apostles. And this is why we hold to apostolic preaching here in this fellowship. In Acts 2, you'll remember the account that Peter stands up to preach. And what does he do? He stands up with the other eleven. And then he preaches. And so the preaching that we have is an apostolic preaching based on the words and the teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
And we're able to see from the apostles how they demonstrated that. Put it simply, to be apostolic means to walk in the ways and teachings of the Lord Jesus in the same way that the apostles did. In other words, to be apostolic is to be a disciple of Jesus and to be apostolic in doctrine and preach one message with the Old Testament as the foundation and the New Testament its fulfillment. So here is Elijah. Uh, he spends time repairing the altar. He takes the 12 stones in order that they would understand the nature of their God because he wants them to know who this God is. They want the people that are gathered around to know this God. He wants them to know his name. He wants them to know how he should be addressed. When I was in hospital, there was a man in his 90s and uh, this uh, young nurse comes in. She'd have been, she was a trainee, sort of, I don't know, 18, 19. And uh, she says, how are you doing this morning, John? Or whatever it was, just to say hello. And he turns to her and says, it's Mr. So-and-so to you. And I thought, how interesting, <laughs> okay. It's Mr. Orem to you. <laughs> you see, today in our sort of society, Christian names, first names are the names that we all work on. But if you're nearly 100 years old, it's that you've come from a time when there was a respect shown for people who were older than you. English is not one of those languages that has a distinction between people that you talk to. I think Dutch does. And you have a, an ooh and a ah or something that you have to stick in at the right place when you're referring to somebody who is older or more senior or is more important than you are. Okay. But English, we don't do that. Sometimes we say, sir. Uh, sometimes we'll say, mister, and so on. But it was interesting that there has been lost, perhaps, in our language and the way that language has changed, the way that uh, uh, um, society has changed, that we don't always address people in the way that perhaps we should do. And I think it's fair to say that when we come as believers, there is a sense in which we have lost the reverence for God that we should have. There's a sense in which we failed to come to God understanding just who he is and what he has done for us and the fact that we need to be careful. How does he want to be addressed? Well, he wants to be addressed according to the scriptures that we have here as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or Israel. And in the New Testament the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Elijah continues in his preparation. You see, there's nothing casual in what Elijah's doing here, is there? He could have just zipped through all of this and just butchered the animal and laid it on a pile of rocks and then said, God, send down your fire and consume it. But Elijah knew that the people had to understand more. And so he spent time preparing them so that they did. He wants to show them that he's praying to a God who has revealed himself in history. Elijah comes with a sacrifice and everything is in order. Elijah wants the people to know that they can only respond to a God who has first revealed himself to them. 
There is no such thing as responding to God before he reveals himself first. The word of God always comes to us first. Now Elijah was ready to pray after all the preparation has taken place. And his prayer is truly amazing. We find that he prays for three truly remarkable things. And the first is that the people recognize their God for who he is. That they show respect for this God, for who he is. As the Bible, and particularly when we read the uh, older translations, the King James translation, hallow his name. And we see this in verse 36, and then notice that it is repeated again in verse 37, the verses that we have read together. He says, the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. And then in verse 37, hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. You see, clearly speaking, there's that repetition we've spoken of earlier. And what we can discover from this very simply is that this is Elijah's priority. And as we look at the New Testament, we discover that the priority that Elijah had is the priority that Jesus gave to us when he taught us how to pray. One of his disciples comes and says, Lord, teach us how to pray. What a wonderful question that is. What an opportunity. And Jesus doesn't say, start off by asking for your daily bread. Now, if we were writing the prayer, that's probably the place that we would start. I'm hungry. My bank account's empty, Lord. But no, that's not the place that the Lord Jesus taught us to begin our prayer. Even though that might be the most pressing thing on our mind. I say this with great respect to Jace, but we're not even told to pray for our health first. You see, there's an order that is placed. There is a preparation that is placed. And we need to follow that because these words are not there just to annoy us. There is a specific purpose. There is a specific reason. And it's this. We start off by looking up. We start off by recognizing God for who he is. We start off by recognizing that it is to him we are praying. And it is to him that we give our respect. And it is to him that our prayers are answered. From him that our prayers are answered. Our Father in heaven. What is the first priority? It's not for our daily bread, but that his name is hallowed and honored and respected in our lives and in the world about us. Now, as we look about the world today, I think we'd all agree that bringing honor to the name of God is not the number one priority that we see in the people who live in the house next door, down the street, 
the people that we meet in some of the shops, the people that we work with, the people that we have to contend with. In fact, as we begin to talk to them, we discover that their priority is in fact to curse or to use the name of God as a curse word. They will blaspheme using the name of Jesus. And it wasn't very long ago that blasphemy laws were very strong in countries like Canada, in countries like the UK. But that's all changed. And now we hear politicians who swear. We hear politicians who cuss. We hear politicians who will take the name of God in vain. Because it's just their natural speak. It's their natural talk. It's just the way that society has become. There is now no understanding of bringing honor and hallowing the name of God. God is not respected, not honored in the world today, at least in the society that we find ourselves a part. We see this in our own community so often. And doesn't it grieve you and hurt you when people will say the things that they do? Why does it hurt you? Why does it grieve you? Because you honor God, because you hallow his name. And because you love God and you know that he loves you and you've got a relationship with him. Now, of course, I don't just simply mean that we have to contend with blaspheming or taking the Lord's name in vain because these are just the symptoms of the fact that God and the name of God is no longer hallowed and respected. I'm talking about the way that people, and perhaps we even, live our lives. Now it's beginning to get personal. Does your life really show that you respect God as you should do? Does your life in any way show that you know God and that you hear Him speaking as you read His Word? And that as you read your word, you begin to apply his word to your life. And that makes you different. That makes you stand out from the crowd. That means that you are walking against the crowd. Does your life in any way show that you know the God who hears you and speaks to you? And as you read the Bible and you see that God wants a personal relationship with you, do you have a personal relationship with Him? Yeah, you've read it loads of times. The preacher preaches his heart about it every week. Your parents talk to you about it. But do you understand it? Do you know why God sent His Son into the world? Do you even care that Jesus came? Whilst it's not a direct biblical fact, it's interesting that pretty well always the first thing that changes when a man or a woman or a boy or girl comes to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is what comes out of their mouth. It's almost as if the first thing that happens is God says, open wide, and inserts a bar of soap and washes your mouth out. Now, my mum did do that. If I told a lie or if I said something that wasn't, that's what happened. 
it was standard procedure. I don't know if CAS would like to be in involved in this process anymore, but that was standard procedure for my brother and I. And soap does not taste nice. But it did the trick. You see, when we come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, our relationship changes. Suddenly, instead of opposing the God who created the universe, the God who created the world, the God who created us, suddenly, instead of opposing, we want to be close to, we want to have a relationship, we want to show and to receive his love in our lives. And that means that instead of using his name as a curse word, we want to talk about the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to talk about a God who loves us and cares for us. A God who's interested in us. Because everything has changed. True saving faith in Jesus as Lord. Yes, it changes our language. Now, we need to focus a little bit more just on this God. Friends, the change in language is just the beginning. We have a much deeper understanding that needs to take place. And it's not just that we stop cursing, it is that we now know God. And we have to hallow his name. And we have to respect him because we've realized what he's done for us. And as we look at 1 Kings 18, verses 36 and 37 and elsewhere, we find that the name of God given is the name of the Christian God, because the name used is Lord, L-O-R-D, in capital letters. L-O-R-D in our modern translation stands for Yahweh, the covenant God of Israel. And it's vital that we understand this. So whenever we come across L-O-R-D in capitals, we are understanding that this is the God who has committed himself to his people. Because God keeps his promises to us. We talk about being committed Christians, don't we? I, I struggle with that term sometimes because the last thing I think we are quite often is committed to God. What we should do is to talk about a God who is committed to us. We can give the impression that we're committed Christians. Yes, I'm committed to God. As long as he doesn't ask me to give up this or to go to the Democratic Republic of Congo as a missionary... I couldn't go because it would require learning French, but that would be the least of the problems that, uh, <laughs> that there would be a massive country in desperate need of the gospel. The God who has committed himself to his people. He is the covenant-keeping God, the promise-keeping God. He is a faithful God. He is a God that you and I can rely on. Behold our God. We sang it. It sends a shiver down your spine, doesn't it? But it's beautiful because now we begin to see 
who our God really is. So as Elijah is speaking to the people, this is the God he wants them to understand and to place their faith in. He is the Lord, their Lord. But of course, the word God in the Old Testament usually refers to the Creator God. So Elijah is referring to the Creator God being our Lord. And we rejoice in understanding this in our lives. But as we read the Scriptures, it's sometimes easy to miss. Uh, I think Jo actually, in her prayer earlier for Jace, uh, read from uh, Psalm 100, and, or was it 121 or 22? 21. So we won't turn to it because time is short. She read it earlier. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help? But the, the psalmist goes on and it says, My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. Now, are you grateful for that? Because nowhere else do we see that these, these false gods, these idols, created the heavens and the earth. You see, as the Israelites looked at the great nations around them, the Babylonians and the Assyrians, they could be fearful. And they could see their great deities that they referred to. They could see these big temples that had been built. And the Israelite is reminded that their God is Lord. He keeps his covenants and promises. And he is the God who created the heavens and the earth. Do you see what that says about relativism today? You cannot have any comparison to the God of the Bible and some other deity worshipped today. And interestingly enough, this actually takes us back to Jeremiah chapter 10, which we looked at in December in uh, two Sunday evenings, and particularly verse 11. And you'll remember that Jeremiah 10 is where we actually began this series looking at prayer, even though we didn't fully understand that that's what we were doing at the time. I didn't understand that that's what we were doing at the time. But Jeremiah chapter 10 helps us and it reiterates the preparation that we have to have in relation to coming to God in prayer. Remember what it said, we can have no other idols that distract us from giving our full attention to God. We'll come back to it in a moment. But firstly, the verse from Ezekiel that we looked at last week, Ezekiel 14 verse 4. Here it is from the message version. Now, I very rarely read from the message version. Um, but I'm not going to be critical. Because if you want even to help your family to understand. Um, by all means, Eugene Clark's um, uh, message Bible. Read it. And so I read it from that. And of course, we see the clear link between the idols of money, pride, sexual sin, selfishness, drunkenness, greed, lust, murder, envy, hate, disrespect for parents, lies, unkindness to others, lack of love, and so on and so on. And Eugene Clark says, God's message came to me. This is the translation of uh, Ezekiel 14, 4. It said, Son of man, these people have installed idols in their hearts. They have embraced the wickedness that will ruin them. Why should I even bother with their prayers, says God. You pray, and God seems to be ignoring you. 
Have you ever asked yourself why? Perhaps you've never understood that prayer requires that we prepare our hearts and that we get the altar repaired and that we recognize that God is our Lord and that he demands our full attention all the time. Back to Jeremiah 10, where we began in December, particularly verse 11, and you'll see the link with these chapters immediately. Here it is. Thus you shall say to them, the gods that have not made the heavens and the earth shall perish from the earth and from under the heavens. What a magnificent verse and statement that is. And friends, it's true. Can anyone remember, and let's face it, out of society around us, we're probably the one group that might be able to come up with some answers here. Can anyone remember some of the names for the gods of the Babylonians and the Assyrians? Molech? Yeah, what was his special requirement? Sacrifice of? Yeah, so Molech, sacrifice of children. Are there any others? You never thought you'd be asked these questions, did you? I mean, if you were doing a PhD on the gods of the Babylonians and the Assyrians, you might well be able to answer all the questions. But you see, that's the point, isn't it? The scriptures said they'll not be remembered. And they're not. They've been forgotten. They've all perished from the earth. Now do you see the importance of knowing properly and truly knowing the Lord who is the God who created the heavens and the earth. Why? Because he's the true and living God. And it is to him that we pray. It is to him that we bring our honor and our praise. And it is to him that we say as we pray, Hallowed be your name. And I say this to the Moliner family, you're not wasting your prayers. Because God is a God who hears and speaks. He is the God who is our Lord. He is the God who has created the heavens and the earth. And that includes us. We can't answer all the questions as to why. But we do know that God loves us and he hears us and he speaks to us. I warned you, if God seems distant to you, it's not because he's running away from you. Even though there are times that you might think, if I was God, I'd run away from me. It's not because he's walking at a distance. It's because we're walking at a distance. It's because we haven't understood what real relationship with him means. We haven't surrendered all aspects of our life to him. We still cling to the sins that we like, the things that we know are not right. The money that we won't give for something to further the kingdom of God because we want it ourselves. 
The times when we eat more food than we can possibly cope with and there are people who are starving. The times when we keep the time to ourselves, When God says, I want your time. Surrender to him. And call to him. Because he is your Lord, if you have come to faith in Jesus. He is the God who has created everything. And so, Elijah is not just a Sunday school story for little kids making a model of an altar with lots of red paint. This is real. This is for us. That's the first half of his prayer. And next week we'll look at the second section or the second prayer that Elijah brings that the people would recognize the true servants of God for who they are. Verse 36, the second part. Let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your will.